Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for uh, seeing eyes today and hearing ears. We pray that your word would come alive to us, that we would find a place in you during this season and as Don has talked about in the next season. I pray for uh, your ability to speak uh, your words, to proclaim your word today in such a way that each one of us would hear something from your Holy Spirit. So we invite you to open our eyes and our ears today. And we pray that you would add your anointing and your revelation to the reading of your word as we do so today. And we pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, if you, in a moment, we're going to be turning to Isaiah 9. Uh, and uh, read a couple of verses if you want to be getting there. But I began thinking about that now that we've come through Christmas or Christmas Day, where some people still celebrate the season, and that's great, that we want to follow uh, the Christmas season today by remembering the content of the Christmas message, and especially as it pertains to the peace of God. So we're going to we're going to follow the Christmas season by looking at the Christmas message, but especially as it pertains to the peace of God. Uh, that's something that everyone wants. We always hear things about world peace and, and you know the things that people are after. And we'll see today that oftentimes we're looking for that, as as uh, Johnny Lee said, in all the wrong places. Um, and so we're also going to examine the source of peace in our lives examine the source of peace, true peace, and therefore we're going to discover how this peace that we're talking about today plays out in the entirety of our lives. Um, It's a word we use a lot, and by the time we're done, we'll have a definition or a couple of definitions of the word peace, biblical definitions, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, what the world thinks peace is and what God thinks peace is, and you know which one carries the weight. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. There we go. Hey. All right. Did you all ever see the TV commercial? Uh, I don't remember what agency it was for, but it was a guy driving down the uh, toll road, and he, he goes gets to the toll booth, and he just flies right through it, knocks the gate down, everything. And about 100 yards past the toll booth, he throws his money out the window. And the commercial says, timing is everything. <laughs> I think the same people had a commercial where a guy and a, a, a girl were sitting at dinner. And she kept telling him, I love you. I love you. And he just stared at her. And, of course, she started crying, jumped up and left the restaurant, ran out of the street. And as soon as she left, he said, I love you, too. <laughs> timing is everything. Luke 9, before I lose the anointing, if I ever had it. Uh, if you'd stand with me while we read these two verses, and then we'll also read one on the screen following these two verses. Uh, we're again reading from the English Standard Version. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government or the kingdom shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over 
his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now put that uh, next slide up, Jaden. There we go. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You can be seated. Peace on earth, which is a central message of the Christmas message, the Christmas season. We hear songs about it. We see writing Stephen Simpson's uh, pastoral newsletter that came out in December was entitled Peace on Earth. We have to go back to the entrance of peace. Remember that when Jesus was born, the world was in deep turmoil, deep darkness. It was a, it was a, in many ways, a vile group of people. You don't have to go any further than Herod, the not so great king, who, among other things, um, had his sons killed because he didn't like things they did or he was threatened by them. And he had his wife killed because he suspected she was capable of cheating on him. And and then to add to that, he had all the children under the age of two massacred, the massacre of the innocents. This is and this this was the Jewish people. It was wasn't even the pagans. This is the kind of darkness Jesus was born into, the kind of darkness the world was at that time. And so we see the entrance of peace. In the embodiment of Jesus Christ. Uh, and of course this passage refers to him as the prince of peace. He's the, you could say he's the author of peace in the earth. Obviously there's peace in heaven. How many of you believe there's peace in heaven? Yeah. And so Jesus prayed your kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. So we want heaven's peace on earth. So God comes in the person of Jesus Christ as the prince of that peace. Jesus' rule or government is the one who brings peace on earth. It's not that he just comes in and orders something, but that his government, his rule, it brings peace wherever he is. Matter of fact, he says this in John 14. He says, peace I leave with you my peace. Everybody say my peace, which is his peace. Everybody say that his peace. I give to you not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So the prince of peace comes to earth. He lives, grows up to be a grown man. And then he says to us and to the disciples, My peace I give to you. The Prince of Peace gives us his peace. Do you all see the magnitude of that? Hang in there. And then he makes this statement, not as the world gives. So Jesus is recognizing, and we should recognize, that the peace the world system offers us is not the same peace that Jesus is the Prince of. He says, the world wants to offer you peace, but it's not what I'm giving you. John Gill says it this way. The peace of the world is at best, but an external one. 
But the peace Christ is the giver of is internal. Now, you can, you can have external turmoil in your world and surrounding you without having inner turmoil on your inside. You can go through a storm of life, and many of you right now are. You can go through a storm of life and be in the storm without the storm being in you. That's, in, that's lack of inner tor- turmoil. Many times we can't do anything about our surroundings. We can't do much about the external turmoil that people live in and, and create. But Jesus has already done something about our in, our inner turmoil or having internal peace, as John Gill says it. He says the peace the world affords is a very transient, unstable, and short-lived one. But the peace of Christ is lasting and durable. We know that. We know that when we embrace what the world offers, the kind of peace the world offers, it's not going to last. The first, the first thing that comes along that is difficult or challenging, we lose our peace. The peace of the world, well, he goes on to say, the peace of Christ is lasting durable. The peace of the world will not support under the troubles of the world. The peace of the world will not support us. And you'll see why in a few minutes. But the peace which Christ gives cheerfully carries his people through all. Everybody say all. All. The difficulties and exercises of this life. The peace that we can receive and do receive from our Lord Jesus will carry us through whatever we face. If you're not able to get through what you're facing, then you don't have God's peace. You have the world's peace. You've embraced something that God didn't offer you. And the trouble when we accept the peace of the world system is that we haven't received the peace of the Prince of Peace to carry us through that time. And Jesus says, so therefore, because I offer you my peace, not as the world gives, because I offer you my peace, don't let your heart be troubled. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what? Don't be afraid of what you're facing. There's nothing, everybody say nothing. There's nothing you can't get through without God's, with God's help and God's peace. Nothing. You may think you'll never get through it. You may, you may think you'll never touch the other side of the lake that you're looking at the other shore. But you can. There's no problem that can't be, can't be fixed or, or at least gotten through. And then there's this matter in this verse. Peace with whom God is pleased. We, you know, we, we often sing or quote the old King James, uh, peace on earth and goodwill to men. It's really, that's really a bad translation. Uh, the, the, the better translation is something like what this gives, and that is uh, that we have peace with whom God is pleased. Or uh, understanding that it's not the goodwill of men that he's talking about, but the goodwill of God. Or God's favor on his people. Do you understand that if you've been born again by the spirit of God. If you've been born from above by the spirit of God. And now you're a member of his church. And you're a subject in his kingdom. And you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And I could just go on and on and on. That God's favor rests on you. 
If God's favor did not rest on you, you would be none of those. Now, if we were Pentecostals, you'd be up running around this room right now. I'm kind of glad you're not, we're not Pentecostal. But anyway, that's good news. But his favor rests on you. He said, peace on those whom God's, matter of fact, I think in my notes I have it, that the NIV says peace to men on whom his favor rests. I don't usually like the NIV, but I do like it there. As John Phillips, and this is another John Phillips says, God announced an amnesty and made an offer of peace to a lost world. An offer of favor. An offer of, of him. Those on whom God bestows his favor are those who experience his peace. So if we are living a life that is less than God's, God's peace, then we're, we're, we're missing all that God has for us. You've heard me say recently, and I won't dwell on this, that when we accept a lifestyle that is, that is less than what, or other than what God prescribes for us, and that, that's a long list, then we have accepted less than what God has for us. We have shortchanged ourselves when we choose sin over righteousness. We've, we've chosen something that produces less. What is peace? What is peace? Well, I'm a, I'm a product of the 70s, 60s and 70s. And we had some ideas about what peace was back then. Uh, I can't remember what I got next, but put it up there, Jaden. Oh, yeah, that, that's the peace symbol. We seem, still see that today. But back then, man, that was everybody had that on their jackets and sleeves and put that other one up. Yeah, we do that, all, you know, peace, bro, peace. And uh, most of the time people weren't doing that to me. They were under an influence. Of course, you had to have a Volkswagen bug. With the peace symbol on the front of it. Or you weren't cool. We saw a Volkswagen bug in... I, I would ask you if you remember where, but I, I don't want to do that. Some store, anyway. We saw somebody had taken one of those and, man, it was sharp looking. I, I started to tell her to take the steering wheel and I was going to hotwire it and get it out of there. <laughs> but I didn't want to choose a lifestyle less than what God offered. <laughs> So what, what is peace? What is this peace we're talking about? Well, the Old Testament word, and, and we're familiar with this word somewhat, is shalom. Everybody say shalom. shalom. Now, you make a good Jew. And if Avi was here today, he'd probably teach us how to really say that. But anyway, we're going to say shalom like good Tennessee people. Shalom is the word we see throughout the Old Testament. Now, let me just tell you that it's different than what you, your brain's going to tell you. Shalom is uh, completeness. It's wholeness it's welfare it's even translated as safety etc and etc that's that's shalom shalom is far more than the absence of conflict see our minds tell us that peace is the absence of conflict that's not always true i, I don't i like the absence of conflict but that's not necessarily what shalom really that's not peace Shalom is the wholeness and the completeness that the whole or entire human race is seeking. It's what the cry of every heart in the world. When, when you see people seeking through other resources, through, whether it be substance abuse or whether it be uh, sexual abuse, whether it be 
any any other avenue or outlet to to try to find some satisfaction and peace. Hmm. There's no completeness there, and that's why the world is just they go. You know, you go you go from one to the other to the other to the other, and, and you know that the lust of the flesh can never. Everybody say never. Never be satisfied. Because if you give it one, it wants two. And if you give it two, it wants three. And if you give it three, it wants ten. That's just the way our flesh works. Shalom gives us a completeness in our being. You you are never complete, really complete, until you have done what I talked about earlier. You've been born again by the Spirit of God. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. You've been regenerated. You've come alive in Him. And you are a new creature in Christ. Until then, you can never be complete. And you will always be looking for something. But when we find Jesus Christ, and we really find Him, I don't mean we find religion or we go to church. Well, we do all that stuff. You know, I don't like the word find religion, but I do believe in you going to church. Um, that's not enough. I think we're getting, if we're not understanding, we or we're beginning to understand, and we probably have understood that all of this is predicated on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not re- religious exercises, not church exercises, not church activities, but a personal communicating, viable relationship. Everybody say relationship. Relationship. With Jesus Christ, the person Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. It's not just worshiping a figurehead. It's not just worshiping a picture. It's not just worshiping somebody we heard about. But it's worshiping somebody that we know personally. Shalom. So shalom is the peace of completeness. And when we get sideways with ourselves or with, you know, whatever, we have allowed the enemy's lies to come in and rob us of that completeness or to tell us that we're not complete or to tell us we're not really whole, W-H-O-L-E. We're not really well when you know what's true. There's also a word in the New Testament, it's pronounced Irene, just like the lady's name. As a matter of fact, some people say say that's where we get that name. Irene, which primarily means to have harmonious relationships between God and man. Harmonious relationships. Remembering, there's one or two people in here that know something about music, or three. Remembering that harmony is not everyone singing the same note. It's not unison. Unison's good. But harmony is when you sing a note and I sing a note, they're two completely different notes. But together, whoo-wee. I got a, 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 a nephew, he's 42, 43, he's Down syndrome. He loves four-part harmony. It doesn't matter if it's the Oak Ridge Boys or the Statlers or, or you know, anybody. Four-part harmony, it just lights him up. Because there's something, there's something that, you know, family harmony. They're not here today, so I'll talk about the whites. The, the harmony of the whites and people like them. 
the, the, just something, it does something to your body. It does something to your soul when you hear really good, tight, and especially sibling harmony. And I know I'm dating myself. That sounds kind of odd, I know. I'm a married man, but, uh, <clears throat> and I'm not married to myself. But I love listening, and this is before my time, the Andrews sisters. Man, that just, when you hear those girls sing, oh my goodness, it just does something to your whole body. Well, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about harmonious relationships in that you be who you are, I'll be who I am, and together we'll make some good music. And the problem we run into sometimes in the church is that we have pastors trying to tell congregations everybody needs to be the same. If everybody was the same, we'd be dull. I, I do like vanilla. I love vanilla. My wife gets on to me. I'm plain vanilla. She likes Rocky Road. You would you would you would know. <laughs> and I get wild every now and then and get some Neapolitan stuff. You know, <laughs> harmonious relationships. This is this is the peace that we need with one another. It's not just the absence of conflict. It's the binding together. The word actually means it's the binding together of that which has been separated or divided. It's setting together as one. Jesus said, this is how they're going to know that you're my disciples. Not that you can speak platitudes. Now listen to this and hear what I'm saying. Not just that you can quote Bible verses. The devil, the devil quotes Bible verses. Now, you should be able to quote Bible verses. You should know the Bible, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, they're going to know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. If, you have, if you're at peace with one another, if you have harmonious relationships with one another, the world's going to know that you're my disciples. Okay. I started to go negative. I'll leave it alone. It's a calmness. It's a tranquility because of the harmonious relationships. And this is the peace that comes from that, from harmonious or relationships in harmony. So we have peace with God that we need to deal with. He says, while we were enemies, you didn't know you were an enemy of God, but you were. Prior to you being born again, you were an enemy of God. Now, you wasn't duking it out with him because you always lose. But you were opposed to God. You're either for him or against him. Jesus said, Paul wrote that. You're either for us or against us. There is no middle ground in walking with God. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Jesus does not endure lukewarm Christians. Matter of fact, there's no such thing. But while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. While we were enemies. In other words, God didn't wait for us to clean our act up. He didn't wait for us to get straight. <clears throat> I used to witness to people in high school and they said, well, when I get my life straight. Well, I didn't understand enough to know to tell them. You're never going to get that done. You can give it up. It's not going to happen. While we were still sinners, some versions say, we were reconciled to God. So who did the reconciling? God did the reconciling. Because Paul writes, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We were away from God. We were separated from God. 
And yet now we have a relationship with God who encourages us to approach his throne with boldness and confidence. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Because of we've come through Christmas. And we understand that the Christmas message is that the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ comes to us. The dividing wall of sin that removed us from God. The dividing wall of sin that kept us from fellowship and relationship with God has been removed, by the scripture says, by the death of his son. Scripture says, we have received reconciliation. We were reconciled to God, and so now we are at peace with God. Peace with God. No matter what's going on in your world, in your life, you're born again, you're a member of the body of Christ, you have peace with God. I listened to Rick and Bubba, and you should too. They do liners when they come back from commercials, and Phil Robertson is one of those that has a liner on their show from the Duck Dynasty. And he comes back and he says, hey, this is Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty. You're listening to Rick and Bubba. Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention that you have peace with God. It also deals with peace with mankind. You, do you understand? John writes to us. First John, he writes to us. If you say you love God... But you hate your brother. The truth is not in you. I want to say to God sometimes, I love you, God, but I don't like your kids. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about other churches out there. But other people. And a lot of people are that way. They like God. They think they like God. They love God, but they don't really have anything to do with God's kids. Because we act the way we do. But you can't do that. Peace with mankind. Paul writes, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Live in harmony and peace. There's this encouragement, really almost a command, for us to find that place of harmony. Because in that place of harmony, we find that peace. The writer of Hebrews tells us to pursue peace with all men or all mankind. To pursue it. So there's something on our part that we must do. To pursue means to, to diligently want it and to do whatever is necessary to have it. That doesn't mean compromise. That doesn't mean tolerance for tolerance sake. That means to pursue harmony with mankind. Pursue peace. Paul writes, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Have you ever met anybody that you could not live peaceably with? I have. Nobody in this room yet. There's just some people you can't be peaceable with. And he says, as long as it depends on, as far as it depends on you, you do your part. You do your part to live peaceably with all, all mankind. 
And if for some reason you can't live peaceably with somebody else, let it be on them and not on you. And don't act like they act. Act like you act. Jesus said before you offer your gift at the altar, go and be reconciled. Go and make peace. Go find your brother or your sister and get it right and then come back and worship. Sometimes we come in here or a place like this and we start wanting to worship God and we got something going on with somebody. Sometimes in the same room with us and sometimes not. But we got something in here that's that's crossways and we really have a hard time worshiping because we can't get past that thing. If you can worship God while you're having a difficulty with a brother or sister, then there's something wrong with you. Well, y'all got quiet on that one. My goodness. Well, I don't know how you can do that. Jesus said, you need to take care of that before you come worshiping at my altar. Peace of God is the peace from God through Jesus Christ. There's always a false peace. There's always a cry for peace. In our world today, in our, in our culture, in our society, in the news, whatever, we hear people hailing the possibility of peace. And what that means is don't shoot guns at people. Now, I want to tell you, this, this, oh, Lord. The Bible says God is a man of war. There's a lot of people who don't want to hear that. I don't like war. But sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's just the only, I mean, anyway, I, you, I'm going to lose the anointing. I'm definitely going to lose you. Jeremiah records this. They offered, God says, they offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. And so we talked about the peace the world gives. When we hear in the world system that we live in, when we hear the offer of peace, often it's not really peace. It's often it's often a compromise or it's often often turn your head from what you see and act like it's not there. That's not peace. That's ostrich. You notice earlier in the in the verses we read, it said that of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. It will never end. I submit to you today that those two are tied together. With the government, I said this earlier, but when the government of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, which is order, we get peace. And there will be no end to the increase of that peace as long as we're submitted to and living in and under the king. I said it last week, I'll say it again. We got to make sure we don't leave Jesus in the manger. We got to make sure we get him on the throne and he's our king and we, uh, we relate to him as thank God for the manger. Uh, last Sunday I taught on because of Christmas. Thank God that there's a Christmas. Thank God there was a manger, but don't leave him there. Colossians Paul writes, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ govern you. Let it govern your life. And then we'll finish with this peace. There's a peace through trusting. 
Isaiah 20, used to sing this song. Isaiah 26 says, you will keep in perfect peace all, so, so everybody say trust, all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. If you, if you think you're slipping into a part of your world where you're not experiencing the peace that you once had, then you might need to alter your vision. Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In, in the original language, that really means looking away from something to something. Looking away from whatever we've put our eyes on and looking to Jesus. Looking away from what our flesh wants us to do and looking to Jesus. And that's the way you find peace because if you're going to do that, you will trust God. The next verse says this, trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You want real peace in God and with God? You want real peace in your world? Then trust God and have your thoughts fixed on him. Brother Vernon Simpson used to always say, this is Brother Charles Simpson's dad, that anxiety is a mild form of atheism. That's not to condemn anybody. It just means that when we, when we give over to anxiousness, there's a part of us, we're not atheists, but there's a part of us that doesn't trust God. Trust God. You say, well, I don't know how that's going to turn out. Well, do you trust God that A, God knows how it's going to turn out, and do you trust him that the way it turns out, that he's, he knows better than you? The old TV series, Father Knows Best. We have to embrace that mentality if we're going to trust God. We can't say, God, I trust you, but here's how I want it to look. It doesn't work that way. Finally, God's peace cannot be comprehended. We can talk about it. We can define it. We can tell, we can say, uh, look and see what it looks like. We can say that Jesus promised it to us. We can contrast God's peace with the world's peace. But at the end of the day, Paul writes the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You may not can understand why you have peace in the midst of your storm. I've heard that so many times. Unemployed, sickness, whatever be the case, I've heard people, I don't know how, thousands of times I've heard people tell me, I don't understand why, but I have real peace in the midst of this. I understand why, because it's the peace that comes from God that we can't understand. We can't even comprehend, and yet it's real, and it's true if we just embrace it. Stand, stand with me. I'm going to read you one more verse. I read this as a, as a, a blessing on you, on everyone under the sound of my voice, that you would receive this as a word to you from God. It's scripture. It's Second Peter 1, 2. But that you would see it and receive it as God saying to you today, May grace and peace be multiplied. Everybody say multiplied. multiplied. That's exponential. May grace and peace 
be multiplied to you. Here's the key. I referred to it earlier. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And of course that's epinosis. That's the relational term. That's not a knowing the facts. That's not information. That is Adam knew Eve and she bore a child. They had water back then too. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through your knowledge of God and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we want peace through Christmas, we need to seek him, the Prince of Peace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the word, and I thank you that it comes alive to us by your spirit. And I pray today that every person under the sound of my voice has heard just one thing. Whatever it is that you wanted them to hear or that you wanted me to hear. I pray that you continue to work in our hearts that because many of us are facing things that would try to rob us of our peace. But if we'll turn our thoughts and fix our gaze upon you, we will find that peace even in the midst of the external turmoil. Change our hearts as we stand on the brink of another year. Open our eyes and give us the vision to see. And then the the uh, courage to obey. Thank you for this group today. and Just thank you for your presence and the work in our hearts. May we all, we, we today, Lord God, we receive this verse written by your servant Peter. We receive that as a word from you to us today. And we will embrace that word. And we will watch as the grace and peace is multiplied to us through our relationship with you. Go with us today in safety, provision, power, and mercy, and grace. I pray in the name of Jesus and everyone said.